Welcome to the Ordinals Podcast, produced by Ord Media, featuring the top builders, projects, and investors pioneering Bitcoin inscription protocols and the future of digital artifacts. So if you haven't met me already earlier, uh, I'm Mary Zhao. I'm one of the co-founders of this event, and I'm also the chief product officer of Trajan.app. And uh, again, really excited for this panel. I think most of us are. So I will just have each one of you guys introduce yourselves. So I'm Udi Wertheimer. I'm uh, top wizard number one. I'm the bold wizard. Um, no hair. Eric? I'm uh, Eric Wall, top wizard number two, the rainbow wizard. Yo, and this is Loops. Thanks for having us. Okay, so let's start with the first question I have for you. What elements of an ordinal collection make it unique to Bitcoin? Do you think it could be tech, aesthetics, community, or any other thoughts that you guys have? I think the cool thing about ordinals is how they kind of inherit Bitcoin's properties. So they're immutable and they're permanent. They're always there. If you, if you own, I, what I've seen with a lot of people who... By, by the way, just a question, like how many people in this room got into Bitcoin through ordinals? I'm raising my hand, but it's not really me. I'm not one of them. Uh, okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's good. It, you, can, you, can, you can admit it. It's cool. I mean, we, <laughs> we're trying to make the case that there's a lot of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but um, I, think, I think it's kind of easy to learn about Bitcoin through ordinals because they kind of inherit some of its features. They're permanent. They're... Um, immutable, they, the, the issuer cannot change it after it's created. Um, it's scarce, unlike NFTs on other platforms, um, because you can always create millions of NFTs a day on Ethereum, but in, uh, in ordinals, there's just a limited space. There's just limited block space, you can't make more, so they're really scarce. So I think they're similar to Bitcoin that way. Yeah, I mean, so in Ethereum world, um, you, know, you Whenever you want to trade an asset or something, you, you have your MetaMask wallet and you go to some site and you give it the permission to take all, all the stuff that you give. You give it access to like drain your wallet. So if it's a bad contract that you're interacting with, it just drains your entire wallet. And in Bitcoin, like that's not like how the system works. We don't have like wallet permissions. We don't give access to drain our accounts. Um, and even if our accounts do get drained, like the art is like, that's one of the things with inscriptions, you are literally just inscribing your stuff on the blockchain. It's not necessarily so much like, oh, I, I wanna be the, like you put it on the blockchain, it's there, it's there forever. It's not only about like, it's mine, I have it. It's more like I'm leaving something that I made forever inscribed on the blockchain. Um, so I think that's one of the special things for me. Like you inscribe it onto the blockchain. It's like a piece of time or a piece of data that you etch. It's like when you're, have a lover and you make a heart in the tree, it's like it's, you want it to be there for a long time. And that's sort of how I see Bitcoin, whereas Ethereum is sort of a more focused around like ownership and logic and stuff like that. So I think that's why artists like to inscribe things on Bitcoin because, because of the things that I said. You're leaving your mark <laughs> in this world. Right. Yeah, I do agree, scarcity and sort of the interest of what the chain provides in the fact of immutability but also just the effect of the community building. I mean, the magician has been sort of a tremendous success, I suppose, over the last period. And 
maybe uh, moving from there to also showcasing this work to a smaller venue, smaller artists on the ground. That could revolutionize it in different ways, different merits. So the yeah, inscriptions are a wonderful tool. It's bringing different, different people, different satellites, layers, individuals across together. And uh, starting with the sort of revolution against some form of traditional or a used to, uh, sort of, we call it laser eye beliefs or uh, stigmas, uh, to the novelty, which I'm yeah, personally very excited about. So. And there's also the benefit that every time you inscribe something, uh, a Bitcoin maximalist dies. <laughs> Oof, they're crying now, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a cries. Cries, cries yes. <laughs> we went cry. <laughs> Okay, and does it make sense to you to bring collections from other blockchains into Bitcoin? Why or why not? You can do whatever you want. Like, it's up to you what you want to do. There are people doing a bunch of like, rubbish stuff, but if they, pay the, if they pay the fees, let them do it. If people want to buy it, let them do it. Uh, maybe it's not like the most innovative use case to go inscribe in a pre-existing collection, but hey, you know, it's a free blockchain. You can do what you want. And if people are paying you for that stuff, like, go ahead. I don't see the reason, but there could be some of those. I mean, if you can fragmentalize something as an inscription that is valued of 7 BTC and someone can't access it and use a different chain for it as a form of a pattern and connection to hashes, why not? Um, but Bitcoin is here for us to uh, sort of anchor immutably, and uh, to me, all of the other blockchains might be uh, experimenting continuously, we support that, we support that. But yeah, the reason is questionable, I do question. I mean, I love, I love the option of using, um, you know, Bitcoin itself as a canvas to tell Bitcoin stories. I think it makes a lot of sense there um, to connect to Bitcoin history and Bitcoin lore and, and kind of bring people on board that way. So I, I really like the Bitcoin native stuff, but also, I mean, whenever we see a big collection, you know, we have OnChain Monkey here, we have, you know, we have DGods, um, we have uh, Yuga Labs that, that, that issued a big uh, collection on, on Bitcoin. Whenever you see, like, those guys that are established in other chains and, and want to move in or, or, you know, adopt Bitcoin as well, that, I mean, I think that's a big, that, that shows you that everyone sees this, right? Like, it's, it's obviously, like, a... Um, a story that everyone wants to be part of. So I think it's really awesome. Great. So is there anything that you think could make a collection against the mission or ethos of Bitcoin? If there's anything you can inscribe that's against sort of Bitcoin. Like a picture of, of Saifedean or Max Kaiser would be kind of... Everything is good for Bitcoin, right? I don't know. I mean, the more Saifedeans on chain, the more maybe better for Bitcoin. So... I mean, there are things that you can inscribe that you probably should not inscribe. Personal ethics. We don't know. We don't. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't have to, we don't to tell you what they are. No. <laughs> but there are some some things you shouldn't do. <laughs> okay. In terms of current collections, are there any current collections that interest you, and why? Uh, so my personal favorite collection is. Um, Actually, it, it is the collection that made ordinals popular, and most people don't know about this. But uh, in the very early days of ordinals, and I'm talking about like inscription numbers between zero and 120, most of those inscriptions, or a, a significant amount of those inscriptions, were just people inscribing Udi's worst takes on Twitter. 
And that's what that's actually why the that's why Udi in, in, not to be insulted by the joke, try to make his own his his own joke. So he tried to get into ordinals and and like, like own them back. Like the reason the Temple Wizards exist were like, okay, there's a bunch of my screenshots of my bad takes on on inscriptions. We I want to I wanted to make sure people don't see them. So I was like, okay, let's issue thousands of oh, yeah, <laughs> Temple Wizards to watch them out. It worked. <laughs> So that's personally my favorite collection. So if you own a, a, a rare UDL, actually a pretty common UDL, most of them are pretty <laughs> common. If you own a common UDL uh, sub 500, I'm an avid buyer for those. So please contact me offline. There's, There's a market. I'm going to create a specific marketplace only to trade uh, UDI's worst takes. The, the, the problem is that the supply is too, too big. It's, yeah. it's hard to corner the market of the bad takes, but yes. So you expect to have more of those bad takes and more of them inscribed over time so you would dilute the supply? Yeah, it's, uh, it's highly dilutive, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. I mean, from our end, I think Bitcoin shrooms. I think they are very early on and they are kind of connected to historical tendencies, all the crazy things that they were doing and they didn't publish most of it. It's a wonderful uh, sort of playful pixel art collection. And it would be a miss if I don't shill loops. We are also focused on privacy, on human dignity and freedoms to all of us. And freedom to transact primarily. So that's why we're all sitting here. That's why everyone is here. That's why the movement is moving. So thank you for having us. And in terms of creating a collection, what um, do you think is the best reward or biggest reward for creating a collection? And I guess what aspect of it do you think is the hardest about creating a collection? I mean, the, the best part and, and the hardest part is probably um, getting a community to form around it or to care about it, you know? Um, but I think when it works well, that's, that's the real power of collections um, compared to other forms of, of digital art is that um, a lot of people can, can be really, like, actually a part of it. Um, what, what we're trying to do with Tapo Wizards is to really kind of um, give people the experience of becoming part of the Tapo Wizards. So it's like, it's a, you know, there's the wizard school, it's a step-by-step -step process, and it's like, you know, we all kind of earn it together. <laughs> so it's like, but it's also, you know, not necessarily easy to pull off. <laughs> but I think that we, we, if you can end up with this community that is, is, is seeing those collections as a way to identify themselves as, then that can be very powerful. So uh, inscribing, in my view, is it's like an act of love. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't be thinking about like oh I want to I have this collection that I I want to get it on the Bitcoin blockchain. Like the entire process itself, like any artist who takes themselves seriously, not that I am an artist necessarily, but like the, the process <laughs> itself. Like You're when performance we, artist. Right. So when, when we did, for example, like if you, if you take the Taproot Wizards collection, you can look at the first, uh, you can look at the first uh, part of the collection, the four megabyte block that we inscribed uh, that required like actually working together with miners. And then you can look at the, the sort of the bulk of the collection uh, that we inscribed later starting at some, I don't know, like 1,300, uh, no. 130,000. You know, 130, so you can look at the the specific block number and see like when did we start inscribing and where did we end it. So like you can play around with like if you're interested in numbers, 
to make sure that like you hit specific like meme numbers or stuff like that, things that are meaningful to you, that are significant to you. It's so, like the entire process itself, uh, it's not just like, we're gonna get the pictures onto the blockchain. Like you gotta make it special. Like you, so if, if you're an artist in the regular world, maybe you're working with special materials. Maybe you're drawing the thing with your left foot or something. Like that's sort of how you should be thinking about inscribing too. Like the whole thing should, should be that when you're done with it, you'd be, you, 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 want, you wanna feel proud. Uh, like I spent so much time getting every single thing about this right. And it's not easy, like if you have a big collection, like if you wanna put 80 megabytes into the Bitcoin blockchain, first of all, that's, that costs a lot of money, so you really have to like met the, make a bet on yourself that uh, this is gonna be valuable to people. Um, and then you have to get the file formats correctly because the, the Bitcoin block space is extremely scarce. So to make something look good, and you gotta get those aspect ratios on the pictures correctly, you gotta get the compression right, um, all of that, like you, can, it's not you. Don't, don't just take like a bunch of pictures and like use an inscription service. Like actually think about what you're doing and put your heart and your love into it. And that's when you've done that. Then like the rest doesn't care because you're proud about what you did. It's there forever, and it's a piece of you and your in uh, like your, your style and and your passion is in there. That's so. That's the thing that makes you feel good after inscribing. So you love the statement when you say that it's part of you, it really is just a sort of a core of your uh, creation, right? As you were uh, sort of getting into it. But to me, it's the fee market, the, the concept of fee market that you're describing is currently quite a challenge with maybe the lot of uh, speculation that is taking place. I'm not sure if you agree if the challenge of inscribing art has been sort of diminished compared to uh, how it was at the early beginnings and maybe it will disappear as all of those sort of speculation will move to centralized venues co contemporarily, but maybe Bitcoin blockchain will really be as a commitment to certain art. So you will, as an artist, have to put significant pre-value into it, not only the creative value, but also financial value. I don't know where you stand on it, if you agree with this or not, but maybe there could be novel concept by interacting the existing art to Bitcoin and anchoring the art via some form of inlays and chips that, that could make it easier because of smaller data set Bytes that come in. I don't know where you, if you see those potential new pathways in yeah, asserting the chain. Do you? Me? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, I was so, sort of zoning out for a minute there. I, I didn't follow your question. It was more about the alternatives of the choices because right now it's very hard to inscribe. If you want to do it, is hard. It costs a lot of money. Would you do a four mega right now? I mean, probably not. Um, yeah, um, I would if yeah. it was if if it was um, like something special. Right now, a lot, a lot of people have already done four megas. Yeah, three, I think it's three uh, or four of them. Yeah. So, like, if you do something like collaborative or something like that, like where you have a bunch of different people doing it together, a four mega, that could be special. Okay, am I leaking our output? What I've right seen now? is, um, I, I I think if you you know when we wanted to do the four mega, we wanted to do it is a statement, right? I think that maybe like the seventh four mega is no longer as much of a statement. So like maybe if you if you want to do this, I would kind of try to weave it into something bigger than just that. Um, it can definitely be worth it though. I think what we've seen is that the Bitcoin block space turns out to be like a pretty good uh, premium ad space. Like if you want to, you know, make a point, show something to the world, the Bitcoin block space and the mempool turned out to be like a very good way to like just advertise what you want to do. But you have to do it in a way that is going to be special. Like being the 
17th person to do the same trick is maybe not <laughs> going to work. Right. But there's a lot of other things that you can do. You just need to be original. Yeah, I mean, have you experience with that community participation? It could be a great avenue with collaborating artists, right? Or more projects come together, together and pay the fee, essentially, and put something in for themselves. So, yeah, that could be new avenue. Yeah, like if you're, like the Dogecoin community could, for example, get together and make a big picture of a Doge. Like that's a way for them to show the, the power, the strength, and, you know, the, the you know, how collective and gathered they are. Like that could be something they could Their do. freedoms to act, too. So all three of you guys have mentioned communities. So what do you think um, makes for a successful ordinals community? Yeah, so I think, so I really don't, so all these previous like NFT projects in the space, like I don't want to hate on anyone in particular, but let's say like Moonbirds. <laughs> what, is, what is a Moonbird? Like can, can someone tell me what is the purpose of a moonbird? Like it's a, it's a picture of an owl, and you get into it, and you're in a cool kids club, and you get a, a hoodie and a, some chocolate too. Like, what is that though? Like, it's a it's a it's a it's a forced thing to be like I'm part of a collective. I wear this sweater. Like I have a moonbird. It's nothing. That is nothing at all. That's just like an NFT brand. Like I'm a person who does. It's nothing. So if you want to, the Taproot Wizards project, the, the one that we're working on. It's about like, we have a specific goal. We want to uh, start, start sort of a re revolution inside of Bitcoin. We're thinking about like the next 10, 15 years, how are we going to create a different uh, Bitcoin culture? We have like a, a goal, something that we want to achieve. We're working towards something. We're not just like, oh, this is a little cool kids club. Take your little, you get access to a part. Like, that is nothing. You got to have a real cause, a real purpose to build a community on. Like, I know that there are a bunch of lonely people on the internet these days that don't have access to any communities and they just go into, oh, I'm going to be a moonbird. Like, that is, you, please try to find an actual personality. Try to find things that are actually matters to you that you can care about. Don't just go into the, the next random thing. Like, we're doing this thing because we fucking care about Bitcoin. That is important to us. So then you believe in authenticity and purpose. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have that. Otherwise it'll be like, it'll pump and then it'll dump and then no one will ever care about your shit again. Like actually, you gotta have some idea of what you wanna do. I fucking hate Moonbirds. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna add something? You wanna go short of hate? You're not sure you can follow that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's true, like you, like what is community, right? That's that's maybe the real question. Like what is it? Is it just a group of people who happen to be in the same room? And probably not, right? Like there there needs to be like a goal. There needs to be like a fight that people are fighting. Um, I think that in the Bitcoin space, the the fight has been shaping up pretty clearly. I think that in the last, uh, I think in the last couple or three years, there's been just a complete mess in the Bitcoin community. And I think a lot of people are kind of sitting around thinking like it's about time to fix it. So that's why, you know, there's a mission. But um, you, you definitely do need to have a mission. Yeah. yeah, I mean, our community existed before the collection existed. We just wanted to give a face to the movement that we were already, that we have been shaping uh, for several years. So we just want to give them a logo to symbol that we support this uh, vision of being a Bitcoiner. So if you can give us something to wear so that we can sort of visually represent ourselves in, in the similar way that the laser IMAXs do with their profile pictures. It was just something that we gave to a community that we, we had already been cultivating. So it wasn't like, let's drop a collection and then the people who buy that becomes the community. That's not it. So I think that's how people get it wrong. Like start with having an actual idea what you want to do in the world and then go out and maybe create a collection around that. Otherwise it's 
you're going to do a Moonverge thing. And no one's going to remember you. It's like a just a money grab, right? You are describing what is happening on many other chains. Just pump it up, dump it on yeah, the exit liquidity. But for Loops, it's similar that the community should be always there before. We believe in privacy and we believe in freedom, as we alluded to. So we don't have a PFP. It's more of an object. There are blocks of educational material, HTML code. So with education, we hope to somehow uh, sort of penetrate the minds and allow individuals to uh, believe that human dignity and privacy in the digital world is a right to have, right to possess. And yeah, there might be more of us, there might be less of us. If we are achieving it with the uh, small galleries, small places, small venues where people will realize that ordinals have potential to give them new way, new pathway to sovereignty, ultimately, is that, that I'm going to be happy personally. So. And with ordinals still being fairly new, what do you think is in store for the future of ordinal collections? Probably staking, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, yes and no. I mean, the, that's the, uh, the the worrying part is like the, I mean, with the inscription block space, you can actually uh, create any rule set in the blockchain itself. Itself, so you can. You can, right now you have the BRC20 standard, right? So now we have a token standard that is living inside this area that was meant originally to, have, to perhaps put videos and pictures. And the people are gonna make more interesting things than BRC20 tokens. People are gonna start putting all kinds of protocols and logic and the entirety of Ethereum can emerge inside that block space. And that's exciting. But it's also frightening because the Ethereum project has its own challenges that now we're, we as Bitcoiners may have to also learn to, to face. So like what's in store for ordinals? A civil war perhaps? Like a, there's probably going to be a big clash within the Bitcoin community whether or not we want this on our chain if the trade-offs are worth it. We definitely don't want the civil war. We don't want the clash. No, we're we don't, peaceful We losers. don't. We were, uh, yeah. Me, I, me personally, I'm an acceleration, uh, accelerationist. So if there could be a problem, I want to have that problem right now. And just uh, have it out. yeah, you just get it out of our system because we don't want to. We don't want to have mainstream adoption and then figure out that actually there's this blooming, brooding uh, civil war that we haven't really touched yet. We gotta work out the kinks, see what what's the final destination of all these conflicts, uh, and we gotta get that out of our system now. So. Uh, if you have an idea of how to fuck around with ordinals and Bitcoin, let's do it now. Let's get that shit out of our system so that we can get on a good path, like how we're going to proceed moving forward. And that's what we're doing. So we're trying to fuck around as much as possible so that we can battle test and harden the system for the future. And you are saying that, and it's great because just a lot of people were dissatisfied and complained at the beginning. The fee market is huge, but now they're realizing, oh, so we actually tested some of those primitives there and layer two might have a lot of challenges, but there are novel technologies, novel solutions, right? So the more fuckery, the more sort of finding out and just getting it sort of ready for the mainstream adoption that you're speaking. Yeah, I mean, how, how are you gonna find out if you don't fuck around? You have to, you have to, it's just something that you really, exactly. really have to do. Now, you know, even the uh, staunch maxis I know for a long period of time are excited about PSBTs, are excited about sort of scaling that wasn't possible before, about TypeScript, about solutions that are beyond comprehension. But to allude back to your question, I really hope that we start to explore things as ordinal theory again, or sort of sad rarities, and that's the edge where artists could look again to sort of both community sort of inscriptions or the ways of leveraging novelty as Mulish, it was around somewhere here, 
is doing with some sort of crazy ideas coming from Ethereum community, which is a tremendous asset for this being built. So we've talked about self-expression and community in terms of, let's say, art. Um, what are your thoughts on um, objectively? Could you objectively say that there is such a thing as good art versus bad art? I mean, we probably all agree that Moonbirds is bad art, <laughs> objectively. But other than that... But, but if bad art, it has a good <laughs> purpose. Um, no, I, bad, I mean, of course bad art could have a good purpose, too. Um, no, I don't... I, I am... I do not consider myself a very good curator of art, to be honest, um, or fashion. But, <laughs> but, um, but I think you know that that's the the great, the really interesting thing about inscriptions is they're going to price out what's not high quality. And when I say high quality, I don't mean necessarily has to stand up to some aesthetic standard, but rather has to stand up to a standard of demand. So if if there's no demand for something. It's not, eventually it's not gonna happen. It's already pretty ex expensive to inscribe art. But to get started for, let's say, someone who's getting started, what do you think ultimately creates the demand? Do you think it's the ethos, the purpose, and it's more about an idea and shared values and the concept of it versus just the aesthetic of the art? Um, I, think it's, I think it's for sure both. Um, you know, Eric mentioned for Tapper Wizard specifically that, and, and I fully believe this, we had this, community that had this goal before we started. But also I think that the artwork itself has been, you know, something that people connected to on many levels. So it, I think it's kind of both. Now the art, you know, um, we, we actually don't have far here who made it, but he's, he's, um, I, I mean, I, th <laughs> I think it's beautiful. Some people would argue that maybe it looks like childish, right? Or whatever, but I, but I think they're wrong. Th those are the type of people who walk around with moonbirds. So like the, the <laughs> no, but, but really, um, it's, it's, it's subjective, I guess, is the point that I'm going for. I would recommend go uh, and look at Arthur Hayes' profile picture on Twitter. So I think that that is one of the wizards that we're like the most proud about, and it's it's kind of ridiculous how. I mean, to you, it may look like shit. <laughs> like if you go and look at that profile picture, maybe you actually think that it looks like shit. But when uh, when Far, our artist, made that, like our chat, we were like floored. <laughs> we thought oh, yeah, it was we... the best thing we had seen in our entire lives. So I mean, it isn't I I have the beholder. Um, I mean, the pixels aren't the full story. It's like this the soul around the project that sort of give meaning to the pixels. Okay, that was uh, uncomfortably deep. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Um, yeah, I'll just take a word that Udi said was connection. I think commitment and connection, it's subjective decision to value something as they want, but what to me is still shockingly uh, sort of surprising is how wizards are growing in some form of dedication and that commitment and that connection that they are building the social layer upon, which is yeah, both fascinating to see. So. If that can be successful from our end regarding privacy or just adopting new ways, novel wells, no novel ways of experimenting with stuff, yeah, will be very satisfying to feel. And then in terms of collections, how do you guys think that these collections can inspire people to use Bitcoin? First of all, you have to use Bitcoin to buy it, right? So that's that's pretty cool. And that's something that I've been talking about actually for a while. A lot of the laser eyes were really mad at me when I said that like a year ago that 
man, you go to other chains, uh, you go to like most NFTs, people pay with ETH or people pay with Sol. That's their unit of account. That's how they measure if they made a good trade or a bad trade. That's how they measure if uh, in, you know an artwork is too expensive or too cheap. Um, and they don't do that with Bitcoin. And why? Didn't we want Bitcoin to be this currency that people use, even if you know you don't necessarily approve of the use case? Like I get it. Some people hate art. Fine. Some people hate music. Okay. <laughs> so don't listen to it. But like, but but you should still want you know music consumers to use Bitcoin as the asset that they use to buy it. Uh, just as you know, we wanted people to use Bitcoin on Silk Road, right? I think a lot of Bitcoiners want Bitcoin to be used by, you know, Russia to evade sanctions. Uh, we want Bitcoin to be used by everyone, even if we don't necessarily agree with the way that they're using it. And we don't have to agree with, you know, how people use NFTs and, and ordinals and inscriptions in order to want them to use Bitcoin. So that's, you know, to me, that's one very, very obvious use case of Bitcoin itself and way to spread Bitcoin, way to spread lightning, you know. Um, so I'm very bullish on that. One of the most common stories I hear of people that really fall in love with Bitcoin and that fall down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, uh, that doesn't happen just when you like buy Bitcoin on Coinbase and you send it to your hardware wallet. Like That's not sufficient enough information for you to really know what Bitcoin is and how it works. So becoming interested in Bitcoin comes from when you actually start to understand how the system operates. You're like, wait, so if I mine, it creates a hash and the hash both gives me a reward and secure the chain at the same time and provide central like when you see the, like the elegancy of the system how it all comes together then you're like wait this is actually an incredible uh, invention and by using ordinals like when you're uh, dealing with utxos when you're waiting for your block to confirm that's when you sort of, sort of like more pieces of the system are revealed to you through that process. You become an actual user of the system, and that's when you're going to start to ask yourself, like, maybe I should actually figure out how the system works. And when you do that, then you can sort of see sort of how Bitcoin is a much different system than Ethereum proof of stake, like how it's different and why it's good to have both of these systems around and why you might actually want to have some, you know, maybe if you only have Ethereum, maybe you want to have some in Bitcoin because you recognize how different the system is. So ordinals. Uh, sort of force you to learn the intricacies of the Bitcoin system and maybe they become the gateway drug for you to learn more about how Bitcoin works and you might actually become a real Bitcoiner uh, from like being interested in, in like how it works. For, so for the first time after 10 years, some of these people are going to become real Bitcoiners. And it's fascinating to see in the last four months, we've been in NFT Paris and I think around 2,000 people stopped by our stand. It was mostly Ethereum. People had no idea. I never hold Bitcoin. It just came and, well, immutability. And it's there, it's on chain. You, we have the social phenomenon, social construct that we believe adhere it to, there is a placeholder, it works. So uh, people are flocking into it. The question is how we do get beyond the existing communities, how we touch on the novel pathways. I like what Aquarian Conspiracy did yesterday. So we are sort of moving ordinals into some form of conspirational environments of stars and mathematics and go beyond that to different cultural vibes, different cultural tendencies outside of uh, anarcho-capitalism libertarians. Well, I know we're almost out of time, so I'm just going to ask one last question. Do you, any of you guys own an inscription that you would never sell, and if so, why? I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I definitely own one inscription that I'm never going to sell, which is the four megabyte bold wizard. Um, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to clarify this again, it is not for sale. <laughs> 
do not ask. <laughs> it's Yes, it's inscription number 652, but it is not for sale. Uh, it's just too close to my heart. Um, I don't even trust myself with it in my own wallet. Um, it's in deep cold storage, so. Uh, for me, it's a, a picture of Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's very early. It's a very early inscription. Yeah, so Galaxy Research did some research and tried to identify which was the moment in time when the ordinal trend went parabolic. And so w what I think happened was that one of our co-founders of the Tappered Wizards project, his name is Dennis, uh, he wrote an article about ordinals. And no one was reading it, no one was talking about it. And then I, um, we had another um, guy that helped uh, sort of found this project who we did it like an experiment. We took uh, almost 400 kilobyte large image of a, of a Trump NFT and we inscribed it as a test. This was one of the, this was, this was the largest uh, inscription that had been made uh, at that point. And it cost just $20 to put this picture of Donald Trump uh, on the blockchain. And then I made a bunch of tweets about it, and then people were sort of, holy shit, is it that cheap to leverage the Bitcoin block space? So in my opinion, like, people don't talk about this Trump image. It doesn't have any, like, you're not gonna go to any ordinal website, but it's inscription number 134, and if you look at sort of the rate of inscriptions, it all sort of went parabolic after 134. So that one is really special to me. Um, probably not gonna sell that one. Yes. Also, no one's buying it. Yeah, it's, it doesn't <laughs> have any. <laughs> It's a picture of Donald Trump. It's not even a good picture. It's one of that crappy NFT collection that he made himself. It's fucking horrible. Might change his presidency. Who knows? Really, I mean, could be valuable to you. It matters. It matters. For us, I think the Bitcoin magazine was recently doing a lot of exploration with Ordinals too, and they did El Salvadorian magazine print issue. It was very cool, and they also inscribed some of them. So as all, yeah, we loops did uh, the challenge commitment, so we won it and we protect it. Well, great. That wraps up this panel. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please rate and review our show. Subscribe to the Ordinals podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite app, and follow us on Twitter at The Ord Pod. Drop us a line at podcast at ord.media for topics you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to interview. Ordinals 2024 conference is taking place in Nashville. Early bird passes are available now. Visit ord.media and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks for listening to the Ordinals podcast, produced by Ord Media.